Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Morgan's Farm to Table Studios brings you today's edition of The Howl. Morgan's Farm to Table is located on County Road 42 and Nicollet in Burnsville. Taste the difference, award winning. The Howl would like to welcome you to the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other, featuring all teams and all topics on everybody's favorite sport, basketball. The Howl is also a proud member of CLNS Media Network and can be found on clnsmedia.com. The Howl is also produced with thanks to our wonderful supporting partners, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. Also, all audio equipment on The Howl is brought to you by Rode Microphones, studio quality with easy accessibility since 1967. I am the Whirling Dervish of the radio world, your host, Kevin Draves. To my right is Aaron Callsbank after Groshan, the producer of the show. And to my left is none other than Rob Foot-on-the-Line Hess, who is the jack-of-all-trades for the program. First quarter on tonight's show, we will take a look at how the Wolves got into the playoffs and review Game 1. We will also look ahead to the rest of the series with the Houston Rockets. Second quarter tonight is our Talkers segment where we have plenty of NBA and WNBA news to cover, and we will also make our predictions for the all-NBA teams. Remember, it's only a travel if your name isn't James Harden, and only a foul if you're the guy he's guarding. First quarter here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, we are the Howl. Again, this week, uh, first quarter is our review and preview segment, and it's a little more special than in past weeks given that the Wolves, for the first time in a very long time, to put it nicely, have made the playoffs. What we're really going to talk about here, though, is going to be sort of two playoff games. Uh, We're going to start off with the Nuggets game, which, for anyone that was at that game, what an awesome atmosphere. I thought the Timberwolves did a great job of really promoting this. Obviously, it's a playoff atmosphere given it's a win and in. Uh, for anyone that hasn't been to a win-and-in scenario, I was at game 165 
for the sorry 163 from the Twins uh, a number of years ago, and it's a great. It's it's just something if you have a chance to go to one of these games, the atmosphere is second to none. So uh, obviously, you know, I went to this game with Kevin. We got here. We got to the game quite early, uh, just given how important it was. We weren't really sure what the you know parking was going to be. You know, Wolves games get pretty busy, but man, when it comes to sellouts and it comes to big games like this, uh, they really, really show up. And the crowd did not disappoint. Uh, one thing that I really appreciated is that the the Wolves did when you got your seat. The Wolves had provided uh, towels to everybody, and so that just added to that fan experience. I do think they could have maybe gone a step further, kind of like they've done in the past and done T-shirts and gone for kind of that whiteout. But I will say, in terms of cheering, the towel definitely adds kind of a nice little extra something-something. So that definitely added to the experience. So just uh, delving into the actual game itself, uh, I thought the Wolves played a a decent game. You know, they really came prepared for a a really good Nuggets team. There were things to like. There were things to to not like. Obviously, ultimately, we win the game. but, you know, kind of a few things to touch on. Nikolai Jokic, uh, for anyone that hasn't watched that guy play, I'm not a fan of his. Uh, maybe more as a person than a player. Uh, just something about him really bugs me. But he came out to play. And, again, it's like any it's like any other superstar. You take him away, and this wouldn't even be a game. Uh, and I think that's for sure the case here. Uh, the guy that really solidified this game for the Wolves when it came to Nikolai Jokic is Taj Gibson. Uh, the fourth quarter, he really stepped up. You know, you look up at the scoreboard and you're like, wow, Nikola Jokic, 35 points. Uh, I mean, he's playing a really good game. It didn't matter who was guarding him, it seemed like. He was just raining threes. Uh, you know, he ended up with three of four uh, from the free throw line, four of seven from three. I mean, really doing a ton of stuff. You know, 10 rebounds, three assists. I mean, he kind of does a little bit of everything. And that is why. While people are wrong when they say this, there are some people that do think that uh, Jokic is actually better than Carl Towns. Uh, so there's a lot to like about his game. But again, Tosh Gibson just steps up uh, towards the end of that game. Because you look up at the scoreboard, 35 points with quite a bit of time left in the game, and you're thinking, man, someone's got to stop Jokic or it's going to be tough to win this game. And Tosh Gibson, he, to his credit, he stepped up. He found a way to get the job done. So very impressive. You know, a fan favorite here on the Howl uh, was Jamal Murray. We were really big on him coming out of the draft, and we still are. Just a phenomenal player. Would look really good right now on the Wolves had things gone a little different direction. You know, if we hadn't gone with the Chris Dunn and then the Jimmy Butler trade, uh, I think you you definitely could do a lot worse than having Jamal Murray on the team. Uh, You know, 20 points for him uh, for the Nuggets. Uh, you know, it's just a solid player. Two of seven, you know, you'd probably like more if you're a Nuggets fan. But 20 points is is nothing to scoff at. Six rebounds, six assists. So very similar to Jokic, kind of getting it done across the board. Uh, and then the other guy that really stepped up, and for anyone that plays fantasy, you know, he's a guy that can really help out your fantasy team is Will Barton. 24 points, um, really did a lot. Uh, like I said, 24 points, eight rebounds, though, five assists. So you got some players that really did uh, a good job for the Nuggets. I will say, when you have Jokic doing all the things that he does, sometimes maybe it takes away a little bit of what you're going to get from some of those other players, other big men. And so Paul Millsap, you know, relatively mediocre night. Didn't do a whole lot, you know, zero for the plus minus. uh, Just three of eight for ten points. 
Uh, seven rebounds, though, but but just not much to not much to brag about in terms of uh, his production for the Nuggets. Moving on to the Wolves, obviously the Wolves were victorious in this game, uh, got them into the playoffs. One twelve, one oh six was the final. So looking at the Timberwolves, uh, Andrew Wiggins, I actually thought had a very good game. He gets ripped, you know, fairly sometimes, unfairly at other times. I do think he needs to improve, but in this game, you know, he played some pretty good defense. 18 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, did a little bit of everything. You know, surprisingly a minus 3, and again, this goes back to why you know, plus minus in single game statistics just does nothing for me and, and, and shouldn't do anything for you. Uh, that's more of a long-term statistic. Uh, Jeff Teague, you know, 17 points, gets you 7 assists. Carl Towns, 26-14 and 14 with 2 dimes. You really got fantastic production out of all the starters. 31 points for Jimmy Butler. Obviously, he played the normal really good defense. Five rebounds, five assists. You, you really got good production across the board, and that's what it's going to take for the Wolves to be successful in the playoffs this season and any season going forward. You know, one guy that's really uh, frustrated me throughout the season is Gorgie Jang. And uh, while he hit a couple, you know, big shots in this game, again, you're just not seeing the productivity from him that you used to. Only six minutes, uh, five points. Uh, Bielitsa has really been someone that I think has kind of gotten a raw deal on this team ever since Jimmy came back again. You know, he only plays 10 minutes. You need to play Nemanja Bielitsa more than he's playing currently. I do think Tom Thibodeau's really doing this team a disservice the way he uses Bielitsa. The modern NBA, it's so important to shoot threes, and not only shoot threes, but make threes. And Nemanja Bielitsa is probably, I think if you were giving him the correct amount of minutes and giving him the correct amount of opportunities, I think he's your best three-point shooter. Uh, on this season, statistically, you know, the guys that are really jumping off the page three-point-wise are going to be Towns and Teague. Uh, but Bielitsa, man, he could be really, really something. And, and I think that adds to the part about this coming off season. you wonder if he looks to go elsewhere. Um, but again, that's that's neither here nor there. It's just kind of another thing. Uh, and then obviously the uh, the polarizing names uh, off the bench are going to be your your guards, Crawford, Jones, and Rose. For whatever reason, Thibs loves to use these guys together. The one thing I'll say about it though is, uh, if you look at the plus minus, they were plus twenty seven combined. So, you know, maybe they didn't have stats that necessarily jumped off the page, but. You know, they found a way to, to get some productive minutes. Derrick Rose played some decent defense. Uh, Jamal Crawford, at some point, you keep hoping he's going to break out of the slump he's been on. And maybe that's going to be uh, playoff time. So we will see. But again, uh, obviously, as we all know, the Wolves finished the season 47-35 and after this 112-106 victory over the Nuggets. Now moving on to a uh the playoffs at this stage uh you know you get a game that could not be more important when it comes to the success i think in the future of the timberwolves so the timberwolves make the playoffs for the first time in years and i think most people looking at this game let's say going into this game someone told you the wolves are going to only lose by three points to the rockets and they're going to hold the rockets to 104 points and some really poor three-point shooting I think on the surface you would say wow that's great like if we can continue that for the rest of the series we got a chance to maybe win some games but I think as as others have pointed out part of the problem you run into is that it wasn't necessarily great defense 
Well, I do think the defense was improved, and I do think that they the Wolves put up a pretty good fight. A lot of it was just missed shots. You know, missed three-point shooting is is something that the Rockets just don't do. And so for them to do that in this game, you really wanted to take advantage of a Rockets team that was a little uncharacteristically mi- missing shots. And the fact that we weren't able to uh, is very frustrating. You know, you look at the Rockets uh, up and down. Trevor Reza 0-4. P.J. Tucker 1-5 of five, uh, from 3, that is. Chris Paul 1-6. of six, Eric Gordon 1-7. of seven, Gerald Green 0-3. Oh, Do you really think that's going to keep up for the rest of this series? That seems unlikely. Uh, on top of that, you're talking about Ryan Anderson didn't play in this game. Uh, a guy that is just a Wolves killer. So there's so many reasons uh, to look at this 104-101 loss. And even though it's three points, there's reasons to really be upset about this. James Harden, by the way, I don't know who likes this guy as far as uh, his playing style and kind of what he brings to the floor. I get that he's super successful. I get that he's a good quality player, but he's just so tough to watch. James Harden is one of those players that really relies heavily, and I mean heavily, on the officiating. If the officiating's not going his way, I do think that can that can really bring down the Rockets. So I think that's another thing you kind of have to hope for going into game two is you kind of want to hope that, number one, maybe we don't get Kenny Maurer. Uh, all Wolves fans know what a crap official he is. Um, but you, you almost hope that something would change. But for anyone that watches the NBA, that seems unlikely. Uh, go on Twitter if you haven't already. There's numerous examples of, you know, whether it's the – the like the double step back by James Harden that was not called with the referee standing right next to him. Uh, James Harden towards the end of the game drives the lane and just like sh- throws Wiggins out of the way, kind of jumps back into him, pushes him out of the way. Should have been easily a foul. Um, I think I believe it was James Harden. If you if you read the uh, the NBA's famous uh, two minute reports, uh, they did they did say on that last possession, while it would not have made a big difference necessarily, but with around uh, 1.8 seconds left. Uh, I believe it was James Harden fouls Wiggins, which would have put Wiggins on the line, and that would have been uh, you know just a chance. I know you're down three points, but there's nothing stopping Wiggins from making the first one, bricking the second one, and someone tipping it in. I mean, that's possible, and they did say that was a missed call. Um, if you want to delve into that more, again, I'm not blaming the officials. I'm not saying that's the reason the Wolves lost. I don't think the Wolves played a complete game by any stretch of the imagination, but little things like that could make a difference. You know, if you're talking about the Wiggins thing, if that tipping happens, that's a tie game. Uh, you know, just one play can make such a big difference. But again, uh, not blaming the officials here, but just something to watch for. You kind of hope that at some point in his career, James Harden doesn't have to rely on the officials so much, um, and maybe they start calling things a little differently. Uh, maybe the rest of the series, you never know. But James Harden, obviously 44 points, uh, 7 of 12 from 3. Really the uh, the one exception to the woes that the Rockets had from beyond the arc moving to the Wolves uh, side of the the coin here aside from Andrew Wiggins and Derrick Rose really not much to like about what the Wolves did here uh, the starters really struggled you know Jimmy Butler was a surprisingly a plus five I mean he plays good defense and he did get you some decent stats but you really need better than four of 11 from Jimmy Butler uh, three of nine from Towns you know, that's crappy on many fronts. Uh, number one, only nine points for a superstar like – or nine shots for a superstar like uh, Carl Towns. I mean, that's unacceptable. Uh, you know, he was interviewed today, and he talked about how, you know, it is what it is. You, you, you do what the coach asks you to do. So 
for anyone that's sitting here trying to blame the players, I got to say, I think you're wrong. I think it's all on Thibs. I, I think he really needs to adjust things uh, going forward if this team's going to be successful. Um, you know, again, we mentioned the issues with uh, Towns not getting a lot of shots, but how about the end of the game? You know, you have a chance to tie the game, and you have this Jimmy Butler, like, spinning, uh, whirling, dervish-type throw-up shot that didn't even end up being a three-pointer. Uh, now, granted, maybe Jimmy Butler should be a little more aware when it comes to his surroundings because Jeff Teague's sitting there wide open, and he's a, a really good three-point shooter. So you, you would have loved if that could have happened. But at the same time, what were you expecting as a Wolves fan? The entire season, we've seen the same thing over and over again. It's constantly end-of-game situations. Tom Thibodeau just doesn't have an answer when it comes to play calling, and it's almost always ISO Jimmy Butler or in some cases, ISO Jamal Crawford, which is worse because Jamal Crawford's such a hot and cold player. Uh, pretty much nothing but cold re- as of recent. And this game was no different, 4 of 11. So going forward, I just keep holding out hope that Tom Thibodeau just maybe looks to, I don't know, create a play. You know, as a former coach, you know, I coached high school basketball or high school age basketball for a number of years. I can tell you, we were in a championship game like the championship game of the season. We're in the huddle. You know, it's down to one play. We got to get the ball in. I literally had a high school student that was able to drop a play and say, look, this is a play we've done in the past that works really well. My point is that, if I mean, it doesn't take that much to come up with a solid offensive play. Again, I'm not comparing the pros to the high school league I coached in, but I'm just saying that there's got to be someone on that Timberwolves staff that can talk to Thibs. I mean, anyone. And I've I've talked about this on Twitter. If Ryan Saunders uh, was the head coach, uh, in terms of end of games, in terms of rotations, in terms of how the players were used, I would feel so much more confident in this Wolves team. Uh, I just think that's a big issue going forward. you got to keep hoping, but it's one of those things. It's very similar to when Rick Adelman was here. I just don't see a change. You know, the Wolves have had a history uh, recently, whether it's Rick Adelman, whether it's Sam Mitchell whether it's now Tom Thibodeau, but we have coaches that are very set in their ways, very stubborn, and are not willing to really uh, negotiate at all. And it's just kind of their way or the highway. And unfortunately, we live and die with that. And it, and we really, the only way we win games, and this has been pretty standard throughout the whole season, we win games when the players are just able to overcome uh, Thib's shortcomings as a coach. And we couldn't do it in this game. Uh, you know, the one guy I want to want to tout is the guy we talked about earlier, and that's Andrew Wiggins. I know he gets uh, a lot of people really get on his case, but I actually thought he played a pretty good game. Uh, 18 points, 7 of 15 from the field, 6 rebounds. Uh, you know, you'd like to have more than one assist, but, I mean, there's not much you can expect. The starters as a whole all played pretty poorly offensively, so it's it's not – you shouldn't really expect a big game in terms of assists. Um, you know, Jeff Teague, really costly turnover down the stretch – basically just fumbled the ball and, and dropped it into the Rockets' hands. That was a big game changer. So five turnovers total from Jeff Teague. I mean, that really has to change. Uh, you know, the, the guy I'm going to call out, I know he's a very polarizing figure for Wolves fans and NBA fans alike, but just talking about this specific game and just in terms of basketball, uh, Derrick Rose played a really good game. 23 minutes, 16 points, 7 of 14 from the field. The one thing I will say... I, when Derrick Rose shoots a three-point shot, I'm almost positive 
Like, right when he shoots it, I'm like, this isn't going to be good. So for him to make one, you know, one of two, that's uh, probably not something you can rely on, I would say, long term. But, but again, you got really good production from him. 16 points, two rebounds, four assists, only two turnovers. You know, he was a minus six. And, again, you know, plus minus in single games just doesn't tell the story. Um, you know, a good example that would be Jamal Crawford is was a plus five in this game. I don't think anyone's sitting here saying what a great game Jamal Crawford played. I mean, he's got to be better. Four of 11 from the field, that's just not cutting him. So going forward, there's definitely going to be need to be some improvements from, but not only the players but the coaching staff, and and we'll see what kind of adjustments they make, and we'll see if the Rockets are able to to right that ship as far as uh, three point shooting is concerned. I mean, if you're a betting man, I would say put your money on the fact that they will. This is going to be a tough series, uh, but going forward, I will say this: I do think the Wolves win Saturday night. So if you're kind of looking ahead at the games to come. I, I think the, the first home game for the Wolves in this playoffs, I do think they find a way to win. And if you can win that game, maybe you can springboard that into something. I think a big part of it's going to be uh, game two. Game two is going to be super important because uh, game two on Wednesday, what makes this such a big game is if you get blown out, all the momentum is with the Rockets. And the Rockets can look at the games and say, wow, you know, even when we play a poor game, uh, and maybe we're a little off like we were in game one. We were able to win. And then when we're on, we just blow this team out. So the Wolves, the key is going to be, while they'd love to win that game, I think the key is going to be just to keep it close. Don't get blown out. Find a way to be competitive. And I think if you can do that, you can really springboard that into maybe stealing a couple games at home and then going back to Houston with a tied series. So, But that's where we're at. Um, that'll do it for our first quarter uh, coming up here on quarter two, it's our talker segment. We've got a ton of stuff to go over there. On fleek. Quarter two of the Howl on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. And here we are. This is our talkers segment. Uh, you know, we're going to get it started this week with uh, actually some, some WNBA talkers. Um, for anyone that wasn't aware, the uh, WNBA draft happened recently. And uh, for our local squad... The Lynx, I think they had a pretty successful night. Uh, so the way it ended up working is the Lynx selected Jisoo Park uh, and Kalia Lawrence with the 17th and 24th picks, uh, which they then traded both players to the Las Vegas Aces for the 32nd overall selection, uh, who was Jill Barda. And then we also got the Aces' 2019 second-round selection. Um, and then later on, with the 36th pick, the Lynx selected a uh, local uh, girl, University of Minnesota's Carly Wagner, uh, So, which is uh, it's a pretty cool deal. I do think that Carly Wagner is a solid player. It'll be interesting to see uh, you know, if she does make the squad. I, I hope that she does. Uh, it's just n- nothing's ever a guarantee when it comes to uh, the later picks. As, as far as uh, Barda is concerned, the player they traded for, uh, 6'3", 4, 6'3 forward out of Gonzaga, averaged 18.8 points. Uh, shot 48% uh, from the field, 8.3 rebounds. So uh, really a, a solid player. Uh, she finished her college career with three all-WCC first-team selections. So, uh, you know, good for the Lynx, uh, picking up a, a solid player in Jill Barta and uh, picking up uh, Carly Wagner. Uh, you know, I think grabbing that second-round pick for next year is is also really solid. For anyone that, uh, you know, pays close attention to the draft or actually a good example would be uh, – what we're starting tonight, which is that uh, the 80-year challenge, 
Uh, when you have just a really solid team like the Lynx do, I mean, full of whether it's vets, uh, some younger players, but but it's a lot of vets, you definitely have to plan for the future. And I think that having an extra pick next year is going to really help just in terms of, of the long-term future for the Lynx. It uh, just gives them another uh, future building block uh, for when you start to see some of these veterans possibly retire down the road. Uh, so, again, uh, that was the uh, WNBA draft, uh, specifically looking at uh, the Lynx. Um, so the one thing I'll add in terms of the general WNBA draft, uh, the most people in four years uh, tuned into the WNBA draft to watch Asia Wilson get picked number one. Uh, you know, uh, one place uh, we found a good article, thestate.com, and they mentioned uh, it could be a coincidence, it could be for a different reason, but uh, they really feel, you know, in this article here, uh, like I said, on the state.com, they really feel like Asia Wilson is a big reason why people tuned in. Uh, she definitely has a following, and she's she's really going to be a solid WNBA player. Uh, but specifically, they talk about uh, the first round's numbers were up 13% from last season and were the league's best since 2014 uh, when Agumake went uh, number one overall. Uh, she has since gone on to make uh, WNBA All-Star Game, and uh, she actually expanded her career uh she works with uh, espn now to co-host a sports center in africa so uh definitely some cool things going on there and it's nice to see the WNBA, uh you know obviously growing a little bit and gaining some success so uh that's really going to be a big thing wilson uh plays for the las vegas aces for anyone that did not see that um, one thing that they mentioned in this article is uh you'll be able to watch her nationally espn2 on june 22nd uh, while, uh, you know, when they have her on uh, Twitter and NBA TV, uh, those matchups have not been announced yet. Uh, but they call it the uh, the Asia bump, and they'll see if that continues. Uh, but good for her for, for helping to draw fans uh, to a sport that, that really deserves more fans and uh, more people, you know, taking notice. Uh, so moving on uh, to another uh, Minnesota Lynx story, uh, Columbia's uh, Camille Zimmerman, has signed a professional contract with the Minnesota Lynx. That actually happened earlier today. Um, the team announced, uh, yeah, this morning, uh, Zimmerman will join the uh, WNBA champion Lynx uh, at the team's training camp. You know, as with many things, uh, training camp invites don't necessarily guarantee that they're going to get spots on the team. But uh, this is just uh, another name to watch for. Columbia's head coach says uh, that they're thrilled for Camille. She has earned every ounce of this opportunity with her dedication and work ethic. Her love for the game will continue to take her miles. Our Lion family wishes her the best with the WNBA championship Minnesota Lynx. So just to give some perspective, so uh, Zimmerman is a 6'1 guard forward from Tempe, Arizona. Uh, in terms of her career, uh, she ended with uh, 1,973 points, 940 rebounds, 728 field goals made. She had a free throw percentage of 83%, which is solid. Uh, 113 games played and started 112 of those 113 games. So pretty cool. Uh, she is uh, top five in terms of blocks, free throws made, free throws attempted. Uh, and she is inside the top ten in assists. Uh, among, they say, so just to quote an article here from a goal, from a GoColumbiaLions.com, uh, she is fourth in total points and sits top 10 in uh, scoring average at 17.5 field goals, attempts, and free throws. So uh, if they, what they did then was they interviewed Zimmerman, 
And uh, to quote her, she says, uh, this is something I've been working towards my entire life. So thankful the Lynx are giving me an opportunity to be at their training camp. Uh, she was a top 10 finalist for the Katrina McLean Award. And uh, for anyone that doesn't know what that is, that is the award that goes to the best power forward in the country. Uh, she goes on to say, it honestly feels like a bit of a dream. It will be amazing to learn from the reigning WMA champions, be a part of their organization. I know there is still a lot of work to be done to make the final roster, but I'm excited to work hard and be there for the camp. So uh, this is a, just an interesting name to watch going forward. Uh, to see if she can make the squad and, and have some sort of an impact on a team that, you know, lost some of their bench and is really looking for some people to step up uh, for this upcoming season. Uh, tickets for the Verizon WNBA All-Star uh, 2018 are on sale now for anyone that isn't aware. That's going to be here in Minnesota. I, uh, I think they've done a pretty cool job uh, with the, the WNBA All-Star logo. So if you haven't seen it, uh, check out WNBA.com, and they do have uh, the, the listings there for the tickets as well as for the – you can take a look at the logo, which is like a star with some pine trees, uh, and they've, they've definitely tied in the, uh, the North Star that you see with the green North Star you see in the Wolves logo as well. So I just think that's pretty cool. That's pretty well done. So uh, if anyone that's interested in going to the WNBA All-Star Game, again, uh, go to WNBA.com and you can get information there. Uh, otherwise, tickets are on sale now at uh, www.linksbasketball.com or by calling 612-673-8400. This will be the first time uh, the Twin Cities and the Minnesota Lynx have had the all-star game here so it's a pretty cool deal uh it's going to take place in target center and it's saturday july 28th tip is set for uh 2 30 p.m central time so if you are available to go to that game i would de definitely recommend that you do so for anyone uh, that isn't aware obviously the Lynx have a very talented team so you're definitely going to get to see not only the talented players from the Lynx, but you're going to see some of the you know the big name players uh from around the league as well so i think that's going to be some can't miss basketball you're really going to want to check that out. Uh, moving on, uh, there's a really cool article from Herosports.com, and they talk about the evolution of the WNBA jersey. They, they go from baggy and shiny to cut and full of logos. Um, so it just kind of goes over the history. This is an article uh, done by Rachel Galligan, and that's at Rachgal, R-A-C-H-G-A-L-L. -L. Uh, so she talks about uh, – so the league's been around uh, 22 years uh, WMEA jerseys have evolved a lot of the years as quality and comfort of the jerseys continue to get better. Uh, that's a quote from Michelle Fisher, Mike, sorry, Michael Fisher, assistant GM of the LA Sparks. Uh, so, you know, they, they kind of go over, you can look at pictures of kind of what they used to look like uh, of a number of different jerseys. Now, keep in mind, too, the Lynx haven't always been around. So uh, that's going to be part of it, too, is uh, you can kind of take a look at the evolution of the teams that were around and the teams that weren't. Uh, they go into more specifics. So uh, 2003 to 2006, they talk about the untuck era, as they call it, uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, in 2007, they had the Adidas era that began. Moving on, they have uh, what we're in, the logo era is what the, the, the latest uh, era has, is called. That started in 2009 uh, and is still going on today. So uh, this is this is a pretty cool deal. Uh, they do mention uh, you know the different sponsors the teams have had deals with over the years. Uh, so a number of different uh, teams to look forward there. Uh, obviously, our Minnesota Lynx they uh, they are obviously sponsored by Mayo Clinic, which makes a lot of sense since they have uh, Mayo Clinic Square, which uh, has that nice affiliation uh, with both the Timberwolves and the Lynx. So uh, take a look at that article uh, if you have not already. 
Uh, moving on to uh, the NBA now, uh, you know, an article that just came out recently, and this is on BleacherReport.com, but you can find it all over Twitter or just searching on Google. Um, but basically the premise, uh, an NBA owner actually reportedly berated tanking team's coach for winning on the road. Uh, you know, for my money, that's absolutely ridiculous. I've seen some people speculate that that makes sense, that it's the Bulls. And again, it would not shock me if it was. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, he says, I know of an instance of an owner berating, really berating his coach here in the last several weeks of the season for going in and doing a pretty good, for beating a pretty good team on the road. Basically asking his coach, what are you doing? And that's that's absolutely ridiculous to me. I, I get that you want you know teams to lose, and I get all that. But are you going to tell the players they're just supposed to stop trying? I mean, this is a business. And so I get it from the, the owner's perspective that, as a business owner, he wants you know the future value of his team uh, and his you know business to be more. And for that to happen, you have to be successful. And for bad teams, as we know as Wolves fans, bad teams, part of that is going to be going and improving through the lottery and through the draft. Uh, specifically, you know, earlier in the season in February, uh, the Mavericks owner Mark Cuban he he actually said losing is our best option. He got fined six hundred thousand dollars for his, for his comments. So. Again, the NBA is really trying to take tanking seriously, but I just don't know what the answer is specifically. Uh, I just they I think that the NBA you know has some things to look at. I'm not sure what the answer is as far as whether the lottery needs to be changed. Um, I know most people feel that you can't go to like most leagues and it's just a straight up you know worst team gets the first pick. People feel like that's not going to get it done. Um, I, I'm, I've been thinking about this quite a bit actually, and, and going into next week, our next episode, um, we may have an unveiling of basically, um, a proposal that I've been going over. So, uh, kind of stay tuned, um, for an idea that we have here on the Howl, uh, that we might be unveiling next week of just, uh, you know, an idea of maybe how they could fix this situation. I don't know that there's a perfect solution, but we're going to try if that makes sense. Um, for anyone that has paid attention to, some of the uh, ideas that have come up in the past, you know, they've talked about how maybe you'd have um, a smaller lottery. Maybe you'd have it weighted based on how you've done, like, let's say over the past three seasons. So they definitely come up with a few different scenarios, and we'll see if we can come up with our own. Uh, so moving forward uh, from businessinsider.com, uh, kind of a cool article, where are they now? And it's uh, the other big-name players from Michael Jordan's final NBA game. So uh, they talk about it's been 15 years since Michael Jordan uh, last played in the NBA. Uh, so on April 16th, 2003, he played his last game in the NBA. He scored 15 points in a 107-87 loss to the Sixers. Uh, and again, that was the last time he played. Um, so he had a pretty decent game. I mean, maybe not in terms of Michael Jordan numbers. 15 points, four rebounds, and four assists. Uh, obviously today, you know, Jordan is the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. And as everyone knows, Michael Jordan had a historic career. So across from Jordan in that game, Allen Iverson played, led all players that night by scoring 35 points. Obviously, Allen Iverson, you know, another superstar that everyone knows of, uh, Mr. Practice, as we could call him. Uh, going down the list, uh, playing with Jordan, Larry Hughes, he was the Wizards' third leading scorer that year, and he scored 11 points uh, that night. Uh, Hughes played in the NBA until 2012. Since retiring, he formed a basketball academy and has participated in the Big Three, uh, very similarly to uh, Allen Iverson, uh, another Big Three name. Uh, some other big names they talk about would be uh, Christian Leitner uh, played alongside uh, Jordan in that game. 
uh, for anyone that doesn't know what Leitner has been up to, uh, Leitner would go on to only play two more seasons after uh, Jordan's retirement, and he now runs the Christian Leitner Basketball Academy and hosts kids' camps. So kind of a cool deal there. Obviously, uh, some major ties to the Wolves, uh, you know, given he was a draft pick by us, and kind of a polarizing figure just given, uh, you know, where he went in the draft and who the Wolves missed out on. Uh, Tyron Lue, uh, current Cavs coach, was also on the Wizards. Obviously, uh, it's no surprise where he's at currently. Uh, as far as uh, the Wizards specifically, uh, Kwame Brown was actually their leading scorer that night. Kwame Brown is a player that just, despite going number one overall, just really never became the player most people hoped he would. Uh, he played 12 solid years, but you never reached what you were hoping for. Uh, and, and they mentioned in this article that uh, he was often criticized from, by Jordan. Uh, again, not surprising from a player as good as Jordan. He always expected the best, and and if you didn't bring it, uh, you were going to hear about it. Uh, Brendan Haywood came off the bench for the Wizards uh, that season, and he was a, a big body. Uh, Haywood played until 2015, and he now works for uh, uh, NBA TV as an analyst. Um, Eric Snow is another name you mentioned here. Scored 14 points in Jordan's fi- final game, uh, and he retired in 2008. Uh, he has spent some time coaching and recently working as an assistant coach at Florida Atlantic University. So kind of a cool article. Uh, definitely take a look at that. Again, that's from the businessinsider.com. A couple more uh, quick talkers here to get to before we end quarter two. Joel Embiid wants the green light to play for uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, he is obviously pretty upset that they're, uh, as he puts it, babying him. Uh, after Monday's game, Embiid took to Instagram to vent his frustrations, writing, effing sick and tired of being babied. Uh, when asked about the post, Embiid stressed to ESPN's Ramona Shelburne that he was simply eager to suit up for his team once again. I promised the city in the playoffs, and I'm, on, and, I'm, and I'm not on the court, and I may not be on Thursday either, Embiid said. I wish more than anything that I was out there. I just want the green light to play. You know, as someone that's played, obviously not at this high of a level, I mean, I can understand when you're on that bench, and all you want to do is just help your team win. All you want to do is contribute, and you can't. Um, so going on to this, they did talk to Brett Brown about it, and he says he just wants to play basketball. He wants to be with his team. He wants to play in front of the fans. He wants to see this through. When he's not able to do that, he gets frustrated. So, uh, you know, I get it from Embiid's perspective, but at the same time, you just cannot take head injuries lightly. Um, and he had that broken orbital bone uh, for when he, the collision with uh, Markel Fultz. So, you know, we're as an NBA fan, you know, the sooner the better for me uh, that Embiid gets out there. I mean, I, I like to see teams full strength, uh, other than the Warriors, who I just don't like. Uh, you know, I like to see teams full strength. Give them the opportunity to, you know, really see what they can do on the court, uh, especially in the playoffs. I think it's pretty important. So the sooner he can get back, the better. Uh, obviously, the Sixers did drop game two to the Heat. Uh, a big part of that was uh, Embiid not being there and uh, Dwayne Wade, uh, you know, kind of turning back time. So moving on to the last article here, we have the NBA G League. Uh, they announced player salaries for the 2018-19 season. Uh, and the salaries are actually going to be going up. Uh, they talk about, so the G League contracts earn a base salary of 7000 per month or $35,000 uh, for the five-month regular season. This is, by the way, from gleague.nba.com. In addition to their salaries, players under NBA G League contracts will continue to have the opportunity to earn additional money through affiliate player bonuses and NBA call-ups. So this season, uh, about one-quarter of uh, players under NBA G League contracts also earned an average of uh, 44000 in NBA affiliate player bonuses. So a total, they say, of more than $3 million 
on top of their NBA G League salaries. Uh, a record 50 NBA G League players earned a record 60 Gatorade call-ups to the NBA this season, generating earnings of more than $11 million or approximately 225000 per player. So this is really cool to see. And this goes back to what we've talked about here in the Howl and what the NBA's talked about, how they kind of want to make the G League a true minor league system. Now, again, not every team has their own G League team, and part of making a true minor league system is going to be that specifically. Um, you know, you have had players that have chosen to go the G League route, uh, you know, that look to do that instead of going to college. Uh, you're definitely starting to see the league change to make this uh, a true minor league system, and I think it's pretty important. Uh, going off of that, I do think one thing that needs to be considered as far as the NBA is concerned, you know, there's people that really hate the one-and-done rule. There's people that want it to be longer. There's people that want it to not exist at all. And I think going off of the minor league system, you know, we look at Major League Baseball, very successful minor league system. They also have a very successful draft system. Either you have to, you know, go play uh, college baseball for three years or you can join right away. I think giving the players that option is crucial because there are some players that just day one could come into the league and play right away. We've seen it throughout the, the history of the league, whether it's Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, Tracy McGrady. There's been some players that could come in day one and contribute that didn't need college. And I think that still would be the case today, You know, whether you're looking at players like a Ben Simmons. Um, you know, another player, obviously, that one of the biggest names to ever do this would be LeBron James, uh, You know, one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, did not play college basketball. So uh, I definitely don't think that it's it's a requirement. And, and I just think making the G League that true minor league system can only make the league that much stronger. And if you do go to the kind of system that Major League Baseball uses, I think you're going to strengthen college basketball as well. So I just think that's kind of a win-win for both leagues. And I think it's something they need to consider. Uh, and maybe we'll touch more on that next week uh, when we go over the lottery system that we're possibly proposing. So, again, this is Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. You have been listening to The Howl.